How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. As always, it is so good to be with you. For those of you who are just stumbling upon the podcast for the first time, really glad to have you here, man. We are a group of guys from all over the world who are trying to figure out what it looks like for us to grow our relationship with Jesus and to help our family do the same. Um, And so if you're about that, if you're trying to figure out what it would look like for you to be the spiritual leader of your home, you've stumbled upon the right place for those of you wives and moms who are sneaking in on the, through the back door. Welcome to you too. Super glad you're here. Um, really glad that you are here. I'm not being facetious on that. Um, glad, uh, you stumbled upon as well. Anyway, we have a couple conferences coming up. We spend a day together talking about what the gospel, how the gospel changes the way that we parent our kids, changes the way that we view ourselves as husbands, changes the way that we view ourselves at work, and really just how we view ourselves as men. Uh, these conferences, in my opinion, are the most powerful, impactful thing that we do as a ministry. Guys always walk out of these, um, just seemed equipped and like charged up, ready to lead their family really well. So if you haven't been to one of these conferences, we'd love to have you. We have one coming up next week, September. I don't know the dates. Honestly, I'm terrible at details. Uh, But go to the website, dadtired.com. Click the conferences tab and you can see all the uh, conferences that we have coming up there. So we have one coming up next week, mid-September in Ohio. And then we've got one in November in Austin, Texas. And then we've got one early next year just announced in North Carolina. So if you're in any of those areas, uh, make sure you get some tickets to come hang out with us. And then if you want a conference in your area, we would love to talk to you about booking one. You can just, uh, again, on the conferences tab there, you'll see a link there where you can actually just click that and get a hold of us. And we'll talk to you about what it looks like to host one of these conferences at your church. Finally, uh, if you haven't signed up for the cruise, you are coming down to the wire. Let me see here. Do a little check. 16 days. You have 16 days left to book your cruise. The Dad Tired Cruise, March 2020. It's going to be phenomenal. It's basically a little conference on the water, but you get to bring your wife and even your kids, if that makes sense for you, or if you want to do that, or if you can't find someone to babysit, uh, bring your kids as well. But anyway, that cruise is going to be amazing. We're going to Cozumel, Mexico, leaving out of Florida. It's going to be awesome. So sign up for that dadtired.com forward slash cruise. Okay, today we're going to talk about what adventure looks like in the kingdom of God versus what adventure looks like in the world. And I had an episode similar to this called something to the effect of like, are you bored or why men or why Christian men are bored, something like that. And I actually wrote a chapter on this same topic in the book, the Dad Tired book. And the reason I'm doing this episode as a follow-up is because some of the guys have been reading the book in our Dad Tired community over on Facebook. They're reading the Dad Tired book. And one of the guys in particular had thrown out uh, in that Facebook group, he basically said, I would love some more ideas on like practically what it looks like to live on adventure in the kingdom of God versus living on adventure uh, in the world. And the context for those of you who maybe haven't read the book yet or have missed the past episode where I talked about why men are bored, here's basically kind of the background um, to this and some of the thinking that I have on this. Uh, When I was young, I remember being in church, I was probably seven years old, and I remember the first time hearing like, hey, you can accept Jesus into your heart and you can go to heaven and you can avoid going to hell 
if you say this prayer, if you repeat this prayer after me. And so as a seven-year-old boy, I heard like, okay, hell is an eternal fire. That was the thing that stuck out to me the most is like, you are on fire forever. And if you say this prayer, you get to avoid being on fire forever and you get to go to heaven where in my mind, heaven was like, you could swim underwater for as long as you want without having to like hold your breath. You could just like do that. Or if you wanted to fly places, you could fly. Like that was my view of heaven as a kid was just basically you get whatever you want. It's like a giant Disneyland forever versus the alternative, which is don't burn forever. Like you burn, but you never die. So in my young seven-year-old mind, those were my two options. And then I had a pastor say, if you repeat this prayer after me, you can go to heaven. So, I mean, being any logical person hearing that, especially a kid, I thought, well, I don't want to be on fire for the rest of my life. I would, or for eternity, I'd rather go to heaven. That sounds much better. So I prayed the prayer. Uh, and then I remember getting home that night and thinking like, oh, geez. Like, I remember the pastor saying, if you pray this prayer and you really mean it, like, did I really mean it? Uh, maybe I'll pray it again. So I prayed it again. And this like almost OCD like tendency of praying that prayer excuse me, my son just had a soccer game and I'm coaching his team and they're eight years old and I yell at them like they're uh, professional athletes. (laughs) So uh, maybe I lost my voice a little bit by yelling at kids. Dad tired. Uh, So anyway, I would pray this prayer all the time. Like I always pray in the prayer because I really, really didn't want to go to hell. And I remember thinking like, man, maybe God like didn't hear me. Maybe he didn't, maybe was I serious? Maybe I need to be more serious. Like, and I would just pray. And I, I remember even praying like, God, you know, I, I know you, I've prayed this prayer before, but I just want you to really know, like, I'm serious about it. I really mean it this time. Forgive me for my sins. I really do want to go to heaven. Okay. And then my kind of theology as a kid and even subtly like growing up into my teenage years and maybe even into early manhood was basically like, okay, the the goal now as a Christian is to really like, don't get yourself caught up in some big sins. Like obviously we're all going to sin uh, for all fall short of the glory of God, but to like, don't get into any super big sins that would get you in a lot of trouble. Like don't have sex before marriage. Don't do any drugs. Like definitely you should probably not cuss, like watch your mouth. Like don't get drunk. Like these were kind of like the, you know, the real big sense. Right. And so for me and my young theology was basically the goal as a Christian, don't sin and kind of just wait for Jesus to come back or for you to die. And I grew up in a church where they talked about a lot, like this is the year Jesus is coming back. Like he's coming back anytime. In times, the the uh, world's getting really terrible. And so, uh, you know, God could be back at any time. Listen, P.S. on that, by the way, because I hear people talk about this a lot. This is real big in the church community. Uh, I've even heard guys say this on the Dead Tired Facebook group. You know, Jesus is coming back because the world's getting really bad. Like, uh, but maybe, like maybe he is, maybe Jesus will be back this year or next year. But I'm not like convinced that Jesus is going to come back now because the world's all of a sudden really bad. Um, bro, like the world's been really bad for a really long time. <laughs> like if you just start reading the scriptures, like from pages two forward, uh, the world's like real bad. Um, there's some gnarly, wicked, sinful, 
disturbing things happening, even in the scriptures way back in the day. So I'm not, I don't think that God is all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, okay, you guys are getting real out of hand. I better show up now. Maybe, maybe he is, but I do know the scriptures say nobody really knows. And, uh, and I, I think it's like a weak argument to say that Jesus is going to come back now because the world's getting super sinful. Listen, we live in a jacked up culture. We're all messed up. There's tons of wickedness. There's wickedness in our world and our governments. There's wickedness in you. There's wickedness in all of us. Um, I, I, but it's just not new. Like the wickedness, sin has been around for a real long time. So all that to say, um, I got a little bit sidetracked there, but all that to say, like Jesus could be coming back at any time. And, and so we live like he, <laughs> we live like he could at any time, but really we just, we live righteously because that's what God's called us to do. Like we, we recognize that God's design for things is to bring heaven here to earth. And so I'm not just trying to escape. Like I'm not just waiting for Jesus to rescue us one day so we can get out of this hell hole. I actually think that Jesus said, no, I actually want you to be part of bringing the light, the kingdom, the goodness, the way that things were meant to be here on earth as it is in heaven. Like that was how he taught his disciples to pray. It wasn't, God, would you please help me not sin before I die or before you show up? It was our father in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And so it was never escape plan. Jesus's plan for Christians was never just hang on, don't have any big sins before you die. It was no, you are now part of God's redeeming work throughout the world. And he wants you to be a part of that. And I remember, I don't remember exactly like where I heard that, what book I read, who I started to be influenced by uh, as an early teen, kind of into my 20s, early 20s. But something started to shift in my thinking in Christianity where I started to realize like, oh, like being a Christian doesn't just mean that I'm trying to like hold out on the big sins until I die and then God will be proud of me. Actually being a Christian, being a follower of, Je- a follower of Jesus means uh, that I get to be part of I'm invited into this invitation where we get to see the kingdom of heaven invade earth and God's letting me be a part of that. And it shifted my whole view of Christianity. Like finally, there's this idea of adventure, like holy cow, I am on mission with the God of the universe to see his kingdom come and his will be done in my heart, in my family, in my neighborhood and around the world. Like God is on this rescue plan and he's inviting me to be a part of it. And I'm like, this is good. Like this is exciting. This is really fun. This is exciting stuff. And then I remember getting to church uh, and thinking like I, I had finally thought like this is amazing. This is this is really cool. We get to be part of God's redeeming work. This is an incredible adventure. I'd done some mission trips as a in my late teens, early twenties, and I was like really pumped. Like we're part of something huge here. And then I remember the one specific time I was at church and I'm just like, I, I was young and I was excited. I'm like, God's working. He's working in me. He's working around the world. And I remember this pastor, like kind of getting everyone excited about this stuff. And then the call that he was inviting people into was, so if you believe this, if you like, if you're fully behind this mission of being part of God's plan to redeem the world, then we really want volunteers to show up early on Sunday. We could use help setting up the chairs and greeting people and pouring coffee and making name tags. And I was like legitimately disappointed. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, 
this is the uh, this is the call for adventure. Like this is what God's calling us to. Now, hear me. Like for sure, we need dudes who are going to set up chairs and uh, who will help clean up and who will shake some hands and will make the coffee. Like that all all that stuff needs to happen. Absolutely. But like, is this the extent of the adventure that God was calling us to? Like when I read what God is saying to his disciples in the scripture, when I see people take steps of faith to step out and say, I'm going to be used by God to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Like it just feels bigger to me than the stuff that our churches are inviting guys into. And it's no wonder then when you show up to church on a Sunday morning, guys are like super bored. They don't want to be there. Uh, and then you get like the few that have like the, you know, the, they're the, uh, they're just have a servant's heart and they understand there's, there's a need for like people to help serve. And so they, they are the ones setting up the chairs and passing the communion and all that. But really, like, I think if we're honest, every dude in there is just like, I'm, I'm like bored. Like, I feel like there's more to this adventure to Christ than just this. And so what happens is guys often turn to other things to kind of satisfy that longing for adventure that their soul is craving. And usually that stuff um, that most of us as dudes are searching after for adventure, honestly, most of it is sinful. And uh, we turn to some really dumb things to search for adventure. Um, Some of it's like heavy and sinful, like affairs, pornography, even drug and alcohol abuse. Like we're just looking for the next high. Uh, Others, it doesn't come across as sinful. Like it's just you're working super hard because it's exciting to get promoted at work. It's exciting to make some extra money. It's exciting to see a bigger paycheck. Um, Some of us turn to just like hobbies. Like we just, you know, let's fix the car or let's get a boat or let's get super into fishing. Bro, like I'm guilty of all those things that I just said. Like I, I get into all of that. Or it's like sports, like, okay, I want to get like into this fantasy thing and I'm going to geek out on it and spend tons of hours researching, also super guilty. Like, but really what I think we're doing is like just looking for the next thing that we think will actually satisfy our soul. And and I guess what I'm saying, bro, like, is I think God has more for us. Uh, I think he has more for us than the, the little things that we think will satisfy us. And I think he would actually call us into something much bigger. And so really what I want to do on the back half of this podcast is answer the question very practically. Okay, Jared, um, I get it. Like I'm even a little bit pumped up hearing this. I, I see and I hear that God wants to call us into this adventure of redemption and he wants us to be a part of it. But like practically, what does that look like for my family? What does that look like for me to live on adventure with God? So that's what I want to do. I want to spend just the next few minutes talking very practically about what it would look like for you and your family to live on mission and on an adventure for the kingdom of God. You guys want to take a minute to thank my friends over at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit delivery service. You can get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook it and enjoy it. They make cooking delicious meals at home a reality regardless of how comfortable you feel in the kitchen. You can say goodbye to grocery store trips and takeout food. HelloFresh has you covered. 
There's something for everyone in the family, from family recipes to calorie smart and vegetarian, even a fun menu series like Hall of Fame or Kraft Burgers. Even if you've got picky eaters in your family, everyone's going to find something they love with HelloFresh menu plans. You can add meals to your order. You can add extra add-ons like garlic bread or cookie dough, and you can always easily change your delivery days, your food preferences. You can even skip a meal if you need. Just this last week, family and I made Mexican pork and street corn tacos. Holy cow, so good. Some of the favorite tacos. I love HelloFresh's tacos. They always do. They've got a bunch of taco recipes and they're always so, so good. I love the tacos. Uh, You can actually get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh when you go to hellofresh.com forward slash tired80. That's eight zero. And then enter the promo code tired80, eight zero. Again, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com forward slash tired80 and enter the promo code tired80 at checkout. Again, listen, this is huge. It's like getting eight meals for free. Go to hellofresh.com forward slash tired80 and enter the promo code tired80 at checkout. Okay, so you may be listening to the podcast and you're thinking, awesome, this is great. Like, finally, Give us some like practical stuff. I want to live on adventure. I don't want to look look for adventure and all the stuff I've been looking in, uh, looking for adventure and like I want to look for adventure in the kingdom. Like, all right, give me some real practical here. I, I might like burst your bubble just a little bit. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. All throughout the scripture, from the very first pages until the very last pages, the entire scriptures are filled with a God who has a reputation all throughout the story of God, of having a heart for the poor and the vulnerable. Like it doesn't matter what book you start in uh, and start going through in the scriptures, this, this like this heart, this ethos, this like who God is to his core is to care for the vulnerable and the poor. There's one passage in the scriptures where uh, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus and he calls them brood of vipers, which would have been pretty much the equivalent to like the F word. It was the strongest language you could have used to call somebody brood of vipers. John the Baptist seems upset. Like he's mad at the people. Like, don't you get it? You need to be living for God. Like get your act together. And the crowd responds, okay, then what do we do? What do we do, John? Like, what, do we, what are we supposed to do? What would it look like for us to really be followers of Jesus? And his very next words are, if you have two coats, give one to the poor or somebody that doesn't have one. Like, this is crazy. John the Baptist has this crowd on the edge of his seat. And his next words are like, if you really want to live like Jesus is calling you to live, if you've got two coats... Give it to somebody who does give one to somebody who doesn't have one. Like, really? It's not like go to church or it's not like here's how much you need to tithe or here's a Bible study plan that you need to start working through. Like his next response is to give away coats. It's crazy. In Luke 4, uh, verse 16, listen to this. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth and he had where he had brought them up, and as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. This is Jesus standing up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Jesus says this, he's quoting from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty 
to the captives and recovering sight of uh, and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of God's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Such like a mic drop, drop moment for Jesus. He says, the Savior that you've been waiting for is here. That's essentially, it's a huge statement that Jesus is making. He says, the one that you've waited thousands, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for, like that's me. I've shown up. It would have silenced the crowd. But how amazing that the Savior the, the Savior that they were looking for was that the one that came to proclaim good news to the poor. And that's poor in spirit. That's poor financially, economically. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, to free those who have been oppressed. Remember Jesus later on in Matthew 25 when he says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or you needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or even in prison to go visit you? And Jesus, the King will say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It makes sense then in James 1, when the writer said, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Insane. God of the universe says, I've come to give the good news to the poor and to the oppressed and to the blind. Later, he says, I will separate sheeps and sheep and goats. And his distinguisher between the two are, how did you care for the vulnerable? Like literally, did you put clothes on somebody who didn't have enough clothes? Did you feed people who were actually hungry? Did you give someone a drink who was thirsty? Is there a stranger? Did you invite them in? And then James says, you want like the purest religion? Like keep in mind, there's religion then that is unpure. And Jesus, or James says, religion that is pure is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Imagine all the things James could have said pure religion is. And his example is, to visit orphans and widows. Listen, like here's the bottom line for us when we're talking about adventure in the kingdom. It's not actually overcomplicated. Uh, do you want to live on adventure in the kingdom of God? Then start to look out in your life and find out where are the vulnerable people that you can start to serve and to love. 
like that, that's it. Like that. <laughs> I, I recently had somebody ask me like, Jared, I, I feel like I'm, it seemed like he was really struggling because he was really trying to figure out like, should I foster? Should we not foster? Should I just, I don't feel it like in my gut. My wife seems to be really on board, but I'm not really on board. Like, listen, fostering, that's a huge decision. My wife and I have foster children. It is very, very hard, but, but you can't really like, you don't need to wait for a feeling so that you can be obedient to God. Like God has already said all throughout the scriptures, here's what I want you to do. Care for orphans, widows, the poor, the oppressed, the hurting, the vulnerable. Like that, that's not us waiting on a feeling so, or God's calling. He's already called us into it. And so now it's just a matter of, will we be obedient to sacrifice? Because listen, the truth is none of these things are actually easy to clothe those who don't have clothes and to feed the hungry and to take care of uh, the, those in need. It's, it will require sacrifice, both of your time and your money and your stuff. And yet James says that pure religion looks like that, looks like the one who's actually visiting the orphans and the widows. It's actually, bro, like not super complicated. Do you want to find adventure in the kingdom of God? Then give up your life and serve those in need around you. And Jesus would say, that's actually where your life is most found. When you die to yourself, you find life. Just crazy because we're looking for life in places like porn, and we're looking for life in things like hobbies and sports teams and fantasy football and the new iPhone and everything else where we can find adventure. And we all know it never actually satisfies. It just leaves us wanting more. We just turn to the next fix. And Jesus says, you want to find life, give up your life. And the reputation of God all throughout the scripture is that we would give up our life to sacrifice for the vulnerable and for the vulnerable um, around us, for those who need around us, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, relational, economical, like whatever the need is, would we actually step into it? And that's where life is found. It's not overcomplicated. So here's what I would say very practically. Uh, and I just like, bro, I, I beg you to do this as a family, not just listen to this podcast, but I beg you to do this as a family. Get your family together. If you want to be the spiritual leader of your home, sit your family down at the table and list out all the people in your lives that are vulnerable whether it's spiritually, physically, relationally, economically, like anyone in your life currently that is vulnerable, just list them out. Actually put their name on paper. Now this could be classmates, it could be teammates, it could be coworkers, it could be neighbors, it could be friends from church, like anybody, anybody within your guys' life and your sphere that you can think of that's vulnerable. Again, it could be vulnerable in many ways, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, economically, like what, vulnerably, poor, hurting. Write their name on a piece of paper. If no one comes to mind, then the next exercise is just to say, okay, as a family, let's pray right now and ask God that he would give us eyes to see those around us who are actually hurting and vulnerable. That's like, that's the next part of the exercise if you can't think of anybody. But I think most of you are going to be able to come up with names right away. So just write their names down on a piece of paper and ask, okay, who, these are the people that God has currently put in our lives who are vulnerable. And then next, after you have that down, after you have that list um, down, 
I want you to write out very, very specific goals. What would it look like for you to practically love those people? And I would, if you've got like 50 people on your list, I would narrow it down to like three or less. Uh, And just think through, what would it look like practically to love these people that are on our list and be as specific as possible? So it means if if you say like, well, one way that we could love them is to bring them a meal. Write down the day of the week that you're going to give them a meal. So let me give you an example. Uh, We, in our neighborhood, we have a woman who is a fairly new widow. And very clearly in the scriptures, it says to love the widows. And so we think, okay, we want to be on adventure in the kingdom of God. Um, And so what would it look like for us to find adventure in the kingdom uh, and not in this world? And so we think, okay, we want to love the widow in our neighborhood. And so we're practically trying to write down very specific, like, okay, we want to bring her as many meals as we can. And then we get even more specific, like because of our schedules, whether we got soccer or Layla works or whatever, we most realistically can do like Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's the best time for us to get extra groceries where we'll be cooking meals at home and we can have extra that we can take over there. And listen, our whole family has got involved in bringing meals to the widow. And so we're very as, as specific as you can get down, like day, who it is, when it's going to happen. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to write down what role each family member will play. So this is just the beauty of God, like giving you a team that everyone is different. Some of you are going to have gifts uh, for being very detailed. Like you're, you're going to hear all this and think, okay, like your mind's going to think in an Excel sheet and you're just going to foot through, okay, we're going to do this and here are the people and here's how we're going to bless them. Here's how we're going to love the vulnerable and our, and like on Tuesday, we'll do this at three 30. Uh, like that, that's awesome. Some of you have that gift. You're just very detailed for some of you. That's your wife. Like she's the more detailed one. Some of you are like super extroverted and you're just like, you can schmooze it up with anybody. You're great at talking uh, while others of you are going to be really introverted. Um, some of you are going to be great cooks. Others of you aren't going to be good cooks. So you're just like looking through for your family. What are all the gifts that God has really specifically and uniquely given us? So for us and our family, like my wife has better detail. She's got a better eye for detail than I do. She's also a better cook than me. So oftentimes she's thinking through what day we're going to bring meals over to uh, one of our neighbors who's a widow. And then she's going to actually cook the meal. But me, I'm like the more chatty one and kind of just go schmooze with anyone. So I actually am the one who will either deliver the meals. And sometimes we actually have our kids deliver the meals uh, so that they can just be part of engaging with them or they're helping cook the meal for the widow in our neighborhood. And again, this is the whole team effort. You're trying to get everyone to figure out what is your role and actually write it down as specific as you can possibly be the better. So you'll say, wife will do this, husband will do this, kids will do this, and this is what it would look like for us to actually love this person in that way. Um, For kids, man, like can their kids like save up their allowance money or can they sell some of their toys on Facebook Marketplace and save some of their money as ways that they can give? Like what would it look like for you to practically love the people that you put on your list who are vulnerable? Listen, this podcast means nothing Like if you've made it this far in the podcast and you're just listening and you have no plan of actually doing this exercise, then it's honestly a waste of your time. What God actually wants you to do is to take this exercise, to be bold, to sit around with the table with your family and to say, what would it look like for us to list out the people who God has already placed in our lives who are vulnerable, spiritually, physically, relationally, economically, 
write down some very practical goals, and then write down how each family member is going to help achieve the goal to love well those who are vulnerable. Because Jesus says, this is what religion, pure religion looks like. This is what the scripture says pure religion looks like. This is how Jesus is separating the sheep and the goats. This is how uh, John the Baptist is saying, this is what it looks like for us to live for Christ, to actually take care of those in need around us. Listen, like we don't have to overcomplicate it. Here's what happens though, very honestly, uh, if we don't find adventure in the kingdom of God, we will become a group of men who claim to follow Jesus and yet we look for adventure outside of him. We become passive dads and husbands. We get passionate about things that honestly have no impact for eternity. We become restless. We chase after one thing to the next, always looking for the next fix. We waste our time. We waste our energy. We waste our money on things that don't actually matter. I've been telling Layla this lately that I think There are times that I think I'm just so grateful what God has done in the Dad Tired community and this podcast and the Dad Tired ministry. Like, for sure, lives are being changed. Um, And God has been gracious enough to let me be part of seeing, like, just play a small role in in lives being changed uh, for guys around the country and around the world. I'm super excited about it. I love it. But I told Layla, like, I, I honestly wonder if sometimes I would just... When, when I see Jesus face to face one day, I feel like the point really was like, did you just, did you care for like the vulnerable? <laughs> did you care for those in need? And I'm not saying one, you, you should have one without the other. Both need to happen. We need to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So before you send me a long email and tell me that I'm thinking wrong, I get it. Like for sure we need people who will equip the saints for the work of ministry. We need ministries and all that. But I'm just saying like, at the end of this all, am I going to say, like, did I miss it? Like, was the adventure to actually just give up my life so that I can serve those in need? Like, was this the thing that God was calling me to? Was it so clear in the scriptures and yet I just read over it because I wanted to see some deep hidden thing in the scripture that nobody else got when all along Jesus made it as plain as he possibly could just care for those in need? And not only was that a command, but it was an invitation to actually find life. That, bro, if you're bored, if you're searching for one thing after another and it's not satisfying you, like, would you actually give up your life to serve those in need? And that's actually the secret. When you lose your life, you'll gain it. This is what adventure looks like for us in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdom of the world. I love you guys. I'll see you next time.